Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Man, we're so excited to have all of you at all of our campuses, Bluntstown, Chipley, Fairhope, and Wakulla, and Mariana. We're so glad because uh, we're starting a brand new series entitled Welcome to Wonderland. And I'm excited about this series for two reasons. One is because I'm teaming up with like one of my friends in ministry, Matt Johnson. You've heard him communicate here. And all of you know he's a great communicator, but Matt's like one of the best content creators in the world. And so we've teamed up together on this whole series. So we're running this series simultaneously at both of our churches and uh, you're going to get some great things because you're also getting Matt's mind in this thing and so it's going to take this whole series to the whole next level and uh, so we're excited for you to be a part of that because it's just cool to do ministry together with other churches and uh, make each other better and that's just what's happening through this and uh, the other reason we're excited about this series is because uh, when we surveyed you and uh, Fairhope you don't know this yet because uh, you're going to get to experience it now because every Easter we do a survey of the things that uh, we want to talk or you want us to talk about the big issues in your life and so when we surveyed all of the rest of you on our campuses um, in Easter you told us that knowing God's will and discovering your purpose was like it was like at the top of the list for every one of our campuses that we surveyed so today kind of to get us started uh, we're just going to kind of launch in a series that's all about understanding God's will and purpose and to do that we're going to go back and look at that question that was asked in the bumper and that is this what do you wonder? On each one of our campuses, Bluntstown, Chipley, Fairhope, and uh, Wakala and Mariana, what do, you, what do you wonder? Because see, the truth is, like everybody in this video, I mean, we all wonder about some things, don't we? I mean, some of you, I mean, you kind of like, you, you get addicted to certain shows on Netflix, and so you kind of wonder what's going to happen in the next season of your favorite TV show because you binge watch it and it's over in about three or four days for you and then you got to wait a whole nother year. I mean, my wife knows what I'm talking about on that. No, I'm teasing. Some of you guys, some of you ladies as well, it's like uh, football season's just around the corner and you kind of wonder like, okay, how's your college team going to be or what's your NFL team going to be doing this year? Or some of you, you're kind of like wondering how like your fantasy football team's going to do. Some of you, you're kind of wondering how long this sermon's going to last, and we're just getting started. Yeah, you wonder about that. It's something you wonder every Sunday, right? So, so school's just starting back, and some of you, you're going into like the ninth grade, and this is like your freshman year in high school, and you're thinking, four more years of high school. Will high school ever end and and some of us have lived to tell you it does and and you will survive it others of you you're jumping into your freshman year of college and uh, you're thinking am I going to survive this whole freshman thing in college and some of us have lived to tell you will do that too but for others of you because your season is kind of like past the school years uh, you're kind of like thinking maybe even some bigger things about life you're asking the question now, like, what, what will I do with my life? And, and who will I marry? And, like, when will I get married? Or where will I live? Or how many kids will I have in life? What is it going to be like when I get old? And for those of us over 50, we can go ahead and tell you it sucks. I mean, it really does. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I went water skiing with my son. I mean, most of you know that I, you know, I loved water skiing, barefoot all my life, you know, do the slalom thing. And so whenever I go skiing with my son, I always have to show him I still can outdo him. So a couple weeks ago I did, and I showed him I could still outdo him and everything. But, you know, I've had this hamstring pull for a long time now, like two weeks, and I limp everywhere I go because that's what happens when you get old. So some of you, you like, well, what's going to happen when I die? 
You know, that's even more serious, isn't it? And sometimes when you have that kind of wonder, it makes you even wonder, okay, what things about God, or sometimes you, some of you might be with us on summer campus and you're going, I just wonder, is there even a God? So you wonder like, you go, what's, what's my place in this great big universe? And others of us, we wonder about, well, what is the future going to hold for us? Now, some of us, we, we've kind of gotten to a place in life and we thought life would give us more and we're kind of a little bit discontent. And, and so we're wondering if, if we're really living the life that we were meant to live. I mean, we wonder, do I even have what it takes to live that life that I was meant to live? And, and does my life even matter or will it even matter? And does God have a plan for my life? And, and if he does have a plan, what, what is God's purpose for my life? See, I mean, if you really stop and think about it, and we don't necessarily think about this like on the surface level, but if you really stop and think about it subconsciously, we all wonder, don't we? And if you really would stop and analyze what you wonder, our wonderings, they kind of revolve around like whether our lives matter, whether we're making a difference in the world, whether we're going to leave a legacy, you know, do, do our lives have any kind of meaning or purpose at all? I mean, it's just kind of like a universal human kind of wondering. I mean, it's why we as children, think about this, it's why we as children, we dreamed of being great at something. I don't know about you, but I was an only boy in a family of three girls, and, um, and so it was like I had these three sisters and myself, and so I did a lot of playing by myself and outside, because I'm, I'm a kind of an outside person, and I love being outdoors, and so my family, they would want to do indoor things and play board games, and I used to tell my family, like, you know, there's a reason they named it board games, I mean, it's just like boring for a guy who's ADHD. I didn't know what it was back then. It was like, but I'd be outside playing, and then sometimes I'd just kind of wear myself out, and I'd lay down in the grass. I remember this. I'd lay down in the grass and just kind of look up at the sky, and I would dream. I, I would dream about being great at something, and I, I don't know where you would dream about being great. And I, I would always dream about being like a great athlete, and they go, that's not going to happen, not with this body, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. And then I, I'd dream of like being great at academics, you know, like valedictory, salutatory, and I'm like, no, that's not going to happen with this brain, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know what your dreams were. Maybe it was to be a great athlete. Maybe it was academics. Maybe it was to be the valedictorian or salutatory in your class. Some, some of you, when you dreamed, um, you, you dreamed about being like a movie star. Now, I grew up Mennonite, so we couldn't have TV in our home, so I didn't really think about that one, okay? And that would have been too worldly, by the way. But anyhow, others of you, you dreamed about like being famous musicians. Some of you got that and some of you didn't, but anyhow. Um, you know, you maybe dreamed about being famous musicians. So some of you maybe even dreamed like being about being the president of the United States. And, and then you got older and realized... I don't want to be the president of the United States. You know, see, see, we all do that, don't we? Because it's wired in us, every one of us, to be great at something. God designed that and he wired that in us to be great at something. And, and, and if we're really honest, if we admit this at the beginning of this, this series, that, that really hasn't changed, has it? No matter what your age, whether you're in middle school or whether you're in high school or wh whether you're in college or you're just getting into your career or young adult, middle-aged adult, senior adult. See, see, we may have lost like the hope of ever being great at something, but we still want to be great at something. And maybe, maybe if you're like me, because I'm pretty type A kind of person, but maybe if you're like me, you hate the idea 
that you would wake up one day, or you would leave, excuse me, I should say, you're gonna leave this world one day, and you're gonna disappear from people's memories, and it would be like you were never here, and you never made a difference with your life. And for a type A person like me, it's like, no, I, I wanna make a difference with my life. I want my life to matter. It's, so, it's why some of us, we make sure that we put so much on Instagram and so much on Facebook pages, it's like they're full of pictures and quotes that'll kind of leave an impact so that we pass from this life to the next, at least we've made some impact. So some of you, because of your background and your upbringing, uh, you, you just kind of feel like it's wrong to say you want to be great. Maybe that feels like it's too arrogant or too proud, but if you're really honest with yourself, it's in you, isn't it? It's in you to want to be great at something. In fact, again, it's something that God created in you. And because that's true, I mean, we got some incredibly good news for you in this series, and that is this. Jesus actually encouraged his closest followers to pursue greatness. In fact, we're gonna see that today. But he taught them that in pursuing greatness, there's a way to pursue greatness, and if you pursue greatness that way, greatness is found in pursuing purpose in the right way. So what's gonna happen is, over the next six weeks, we're, we're gonna show you how Jesus said you could become great, and then how or what you can do then out of that process of pursuing greatness to discover a purpose that will lead you to doing something great. Now, like any series that we do, and let me just say, if you're a first-time guest, you go, what is a sermon series? A sermon series is like one big sermon over the next six weeks. And uh, we, we know you don't wanna sit here for as long as that sermon would take, so we're breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. So it's like one big sermon over the next six weeks. So you're gonna leave today with some questions. You might even leave today with even more questions than what you came in with, and, and that's not your fault because you haven't missed anything. It's, it's ours because it's kind of intentional to kind of get you going on a process of unpacking this idea of understanding and this living out your purpose over a period of time in bite-sized pieces so you can internalize it and you can also apply it. But if you'll track with us over the next few weeks, either in person or you can do it online through our app or our website, you are going to discover that you were created by God and for God and that you were designed by God with a purpose in mind. In fact, this is one of the things that Jesus, he spent like three years trying to teach his closest disciples, his followers. But if you read the Gospels, you discover that they really struggled to understand this, to internalize this. I mean, like, like every one of us, they had this incredible desire to be great, to be great at something at least, but they were confused about how to get there. So the closer that Jesus got, and he knew this, the closer that Jesus got to his crucifixion, the more he talked with them about this idea, he, he began to have conversation after conversation with them. In fact, there's one conversation in particular that we want to show you today that we think may help you see your purpose or how to discover your purpose in a whole new way from a whole different perspective. In fact, let me just kind of give you the context. The context is this, is Jesus has just performed one of his most extraordinary miracles in a town called Bethany. He's raised a man from the dead by the name of Lazarus, and Lazarus was a really good friend 
of Jesus. And you got to understand, Lazarus has been dead for three days. He was in the tomb for three days. So after three days, everybody's going, that'll never happen. Jesus comes into town, raises this guy from the dead, and now he's walking around. And you can imagine that would create an incredible, incredible buzz. I mean, like word spread everywhere about this. And since Bethany was only like a mile and a half like east of Jerusalem, there was these large crowds of people that came from Jerusalem and they started traveling to see what had happened if this really was the case and if Jesus really did this. And sure enough, Lazarus was there walking around and this, this tomb that he was buried in was empty. So there's no denying it happened. So based upon this miracle, there's all these people who begin to believe in Jesus. They begin to follow Jesus. They begin to believe that he was God in human flesh. And as you can imagine, if you've read any of the Gospels, you understand this, that the religious leaders over here in Jerusalem, I mean, they are infuriated. I mean, they're like, they're threatened and they're furious about this because Jesus was really a threat to their power, their influence, their religious system. So they start putting all this plan in place to make sure they could kill Jesus to do away with Jesus the problem is they can't kill Jesus over here in Bethany he's like the hero he's like the superstar he's surrounded by all these supporters so here's what they're thinking if we could just get him to come to Jerusalem then we can do away with him we can do what we want to with Jesus now here's the interesting thing all the people surrounding Jesus they just kind of know about this they know that these religious leaders in Jerusalem, they want to do away with Jesus. It wasn't, really so, it wasn't really a secret thing, which is why what Jesus decides to do next here in Bethany is so shocking to all of them. In fact, here's what he does. He decides that he's going to walk straight into their trap. Here, here's how it happened, or here's what happened. While they were on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples, with Jesus leading the way and the disciples, they were astonished, while those who followed, they were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man, referring to himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And will hand them over to the Gentiles, literally the Romans, the oppression of the, of the Romans, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. So, so Jesus is telling his disciples, here's exactly what's going to happen to me over the next few days. Now, you, you can imagine, if you were like one of his disciples, I mean, this, this would be like totally overwhelming. I mean, this would be like totally devastating, which makes, I mean, it's like if somebody came in and said, I mean, imagine you're one of the disciples and Jesus goes, listen, I'm going to be condemned to death. They're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to flog me. They're going to kill me. And it's like overwhelming and devastating, which is why the disciples' response is so surprising. Notice this. Then James and John the son of Zebedee came to him. So James and John, I mean, they're like really close friends. They're kind of more like in Jesus' inner circle. So they kind of grab him and they, they pull him to the side right after he makes this announcement. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he goes, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. Now, you can only imagine what they're going to guess, right? I mean, like these are his close friends. They're like in his inner circle. 
So, so you're thinking they'll ask, like, Jesus, would you please not go to Jerusalem? Jesus, you, you can't go into the trap of these religious leaders in Jerusalem. Jesus, you sure can't end up in the hands of the Gentiles, those Roman people. I mean, because you've seen the crosses. You know what crucifixion day's like. You know how they execute and torture people. Jesus, we, we, just, we just love you way too much. So we're asking you not to do that. There are so many more people here in Bethany and other regions that, that need you. So let's just stay here in Bethany where it's safe. Let's just kind of go back to where we were and hang out with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Or, or maybe the other thing that they're going to ask is maybe they're going to, hey, listen, if, if this is what's going to happen, if you're going to do this, then they're going to have to go through us first because we're your friends and you can count on us. I mean, th there was another place like in John 10 where this discussion kind of happened and a couple of disciples said that. You know, we'll die if you, if, with, with you if necessary because we got your back. But in this conversation, none of them had this on their mind. In fact, he, here's how they replied to him. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory or in your kingdom. And the question becomes, why would they ask that? Why would they say, let one of us sit on your right, one of us sit on your left in your kingdom? Well, you need to understand a little bit of background here to fully appreciate what's going on. See, James and John, they knew that Jesus was great. But they, wrong, they were wrong about why he was great. See, see, the thing is, they rightly believed that he was the long-awaited Messiah, that he was God in human flesh. But they wrongly believed that Jesus had come to overthrow the Roman government so that he could become like an earthly king with an earthly kingdom. So when he explains to them what's about to happen to him, to him that he's going to be like condemned to death and that he's going to be flogged and he's going to be spit on and, and eventually like he's going to be crucified, that kind of thing. They, they really didn't care about the suffering and the death part. All they heard was the last part of what he said. After three days, I'm going to what? Rise again. And in their minds, it's like they assume that meant he was getting ready to set up his earthly kingdom. Now, here's what's interesting about this. This wasn't only the mindset of James and John. As we're going to see, all 12 of the disciples, they seem to hold on to the same belief as well in their own minds. I mean, it's part of the reason that they kept following him when things got little, literally weird and maybe even at times hard. And Jesus would look at his disciples and go, are you going to leave me too? You know, everybody else is left. Are you going to leave me too? But they didn't leave him. Because they assume that, hey, there's going to be some kind of payoff for us in the end when Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom. So when James and John hear Jesus describe what's about to happen, I mean, their first thought is, well, this must mean that he's about to establish his kingdom here on this earth and we want to be great. We want our lives to matter. We want our lives to count. So we better get first call on the best jobs and like the most powerful positions in this new kingdom. Now, before we're too critical about these guys and their mindset and their attitude, I think if all of us are really honest with ourselves, ha haven't we all done this in our own way? Ha haven't we? 
I mean, we, we all have this tendency to filter everything that happens around us, everything that's said to us, everything that we see going on, we all tend to filter it through this lens of, what does this mean for me? I mean, think about it. It probably happened to you this week. Maybe multiple times. It's part of what caused your stress and, 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 and all the drama in your life, maybe even this week. And think about it. When someone tells you something, whether it's good or bad, and you think it's going to affect you in some way, don't we immediately begin to analyze it based on what's this mean for me? Don't we automatically think something like, how is this going to affect me. And if I would ask you to raise your hands on all of our campuses, you'd have to go, yeah, I, I thought that this week. Somebody said something to me, I saw something happening, and my first response was, how's this going to affect me? See, see there's this self-centeredness that tends to raise its ugly head in all of us. And that's what's happening to James and John. They're filtering everything that's happening in this moment, not through the lens of what does this mean for Jesus to be spit on and to be tried and condemned to death and to be flogged and to be killed. That's not even the lens they're thinking about, but their lens is what does this mean for me? What does it mean for me? How, how will this affect me? Now, what happens next in this conversation? It, it kind of reminds us that this is a human problem, not just a James and John problem. Notice what happens. When the other 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Now, now why did the other 10 become indignant with James and John? because they were so insensitive to Jesus and so uncaring to Jesus? No. Why were they so indignant? Because James and John beat them to asking for the two best seats in this kingdom they thought Jesus was gonna set up. I mean, they all, all 12 of them, had this what's in it for me kind of mindset. So Jesus being just a person of so much grace and so much love and so much kindness. I mean, he did what he always did. He, he kind of pulls them aside again. He goes, hang on, let's, let's reframe this conversation. And he, he gave them and he gave us a brand new framework through which to look or a brand new perspective on what it means to be great, a, a brand new way to understand our purpose in life. Notice what happens. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who re are regarded as rulers of Gentiles, they lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. So Jesus is reminding the disciples, he says, hey guys, you watch this every day. You, you watch this in the way that your community's led, the way the government's run. I mean, you watch this happen every day. Literally guys, this is how it, how it works. The Gentiles, the Romans, I mean, they lord it over people. They exercise authority over them. So whenever a person has a chance to go up to the ladder, I mean, they, like, like, they, they don't mind putting somebody else down. 
I mean, you've watched these people in power all your life. You've been under their oppression. I mean, they're convinced that, that greatness is through power and prominence. They're convinced that the bigger the office that they have, the more closer to the, you know, the front door parking they have, the more people that answer to them or serve them, the bigger deal they must be in their lives. I mean, th these people, they lord it over them. They, they don't worry about how they treat people. Instead, they worry about how people treat them. They, they don't think about what's best for them. They, they only think about what's best for me. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, that's how it works in your world. People assume that power is the pathway to greatness. Prominence is the pathway to greatness. And, and that's how it was in their first century world. And it's also, if you think about it, pretty common in 21st century world, isn't it? which makes what Jesus says next so shocking for every one of us. Matter of fact, it's very countercultural, And we still haven't grasped this idea fully some 2,000 years later. Notice what Jesus says in verse 43. He says, but not so with you. He's like, yeah, this is how the Gentiles lead, exercise authority, but not so with you. Which is Jesus' kind of way of saying to his disciples and saying to you and I, and that is this. If you're going to follow me, there's a much higher standard for you to meet. If you're going to follow me, I expect something more from you than the people that you see around you and how they lord it over people and exercise authority. Now, let me just pause and say something here. If you're with us today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, what Jesus is about to say next you could say it doesn't apply to you because you're not a Jesus follower. But what it also means is this, is you can try to find your purpose and you can try to find greatness another way. But I think you're going to find at the end of the day that Jesus' way really is the only way to find true meaning and purpose for your life. So here's what Jesus said. He says, not so with you. Instead... Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So Jesus is basically saying to his disciples, he's saying, listen, you, you want to be great? You want to find your purpose? Jesus goes, I, I got no problem with you becoming great. I mean, you're gifted for greatness by your heavenly father. He goes, you want to be first? God says, well, you, you should strive. You should strive to do life with excellence. You, you want to be first? He goes, here's the problem. You'll never get there by doing what everybody else does around you. You'll, you'll never get there if you think the path is power and prominence. If you think that is the path to significance, you're never going to get there if you think that being great and being first is defined by position or prestige or possessions. He's like, if you spend your life ch chasing greatness or being first, if you, it's like, if you spend all of your energy and all your focus on those things, the way that the Gentiles do, the way they lord it over and exercise authority over everybody else, you're going to completely miss your purpose in life and you'll never truly become great. Because he says the path to greatness is through serving. The path to fulfilling your purpose is through serving. 
It's starting to lean, learn to lean in to putting others before yourself. And Jesus basically starts saying, if you do that, then your purpose will become clear. Now, here's the thing you have to understand. Because we don't think greatness comes through servanthood, it's why most of us get so confused about what our purpose is in life. It's why we're never sure, and it's why we wonder if our lives matter. It's why we wonder if we're making a difference. It's why we wonder if we have what it takes. See, because for most of us, we are pursuing purpose and greatness in the wrong way. No, Jesus says, no, no. If you want to know your purpose, if you want to be great, it starts through serving. It starts by believing this, that it's not about you. Now, here, here's what we know. Here's what we know about this statement. This statement right here is not the best way to entice you to come back for the rest of the series. Because we as, we as Americans, we like it to be about us. But, but Jesus goes, no, no, no. Discovering your purpose means you, you believe it, it's not about you. He says the path to fulfillment and greatness is it's just not about you. And until you realize this, you're always going to be confused. You're always going to be unsure. You're never going to be like confident about your purpose in life. And oftentimes what will happen is you'll stay stuck and you'll get paralyzed in life and you'll do nothing with your life. Now don't miss this. This is so important. Jesus is basically reminding every one of us, just like he was his disciples that day, that you were created for far more than your own personal fulfillment, your success, and your happiness. That your purpose is so much bigger than your comfort or your career or your dreams or your goals. Don't miss that. He's saying, listen, your purpose is so much bigger than you, so it's just not about you. And if you make it about you, then you're going to miss your purpose entirely because you are too small a purpose to live for. See, it's like Jesus saying, listen, if you make your life primarily about you, you'll end up getting to the end of your life with nothing to show for except your one and only life. And, and nobody, if you even think about it this way, nobody has ever made like this positive impact in this world by just living for themselves. Now, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, I really want you to think about this. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we get this wrong all the time without meaning to. Because if you really stop and think about it, what is the question that we always ask? I mean, if you grew up in church world, or if you just, or you came into church world and you've been in church world for a few years and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what is the question we always ask about our purpose and our meaning for life? Here's the question. We go, what's God's purpose for my life? What's God's plan for my life? I just want to know God's will for my life. See, and that's the wrong question to focus on when you're talking about God's purpose for your life because the focus is all on this, my life. Those questions are all about you. And that's why you never have clarity about your purpose. It's why you keep spending your life like looking through the lens of that question and going, I just don't know my purpose. I don't know my purpose. 
See, Jesus is telling his disciples there's a much better question. And in doing so, he's reframing our perspective as well. And that is this question. What's God's purpose? What's God's plan? What's God's will? What is God doing in this world? So Jesus is saying, listen, take the focus off of you. And if you want to understand your purpose, you have to take the focus off of you and you have to put the focus on your creator and you'll start getting clarity around your purpose. In fact, you might even want to write this down and that is this. Life is about letting God use you for his purpose, not trying to use God for your own purpose. Don't miss that. Life is about letting God use you for his purpose, not trying to use God for your own purpose purpose, which means life will never make sense until you begin to get that. Because see, here's the reality. You didn't create you, so you have no idea what you are supposed to do. Only your creator, only the creator can tell you the purpose of his creation. And once you understand that, then life begins to take on this whole new sense of wonder. So here's what that means. Once it's not about you, then you will see what you were created to do. Which is why it was so important for Jesus to pull all of his disciples, his friends together that day when they were arguing about who was going to be like the most powerful and have the most powerful place in his kingdom. And Jesus goes, no, 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 you're missing it because you think it's still about you. But once it's not about you, then you're going to see what to do. Because he's saying, listen. If you make it all about you, he's like, that's how it works in the earthly kingdom. But it's not how it works in God's kingdom. He's like, if you want to find your purpose and be great, then you've got to live like nobody else around you. You've got to learn to lean in and serve others around you. And once it's not about you, then you will see clearly what you were created to do. So over the next few weeks, we, we want to take you on a journey of discovering this for yourself. We, we want to take you on a journey of just kind of living the same life you're living now with an entirely different perspective. And, and that perspective, I'm telling you, it is so different than what most of us have in our lives. See, most of us, what we do is we, we live with this metaphorical mirror in front of our lives all the time. This, this is how we live. See, it's not that I can't see you okay? It's just that you're not front and center in my worldview. See, in my worldview right now, there's just this amazing man. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing man that I, I'm looking at right now. I, I'm kind of front and center. So what happens is every time, what are y'all laughing? I mean, that was just like, <laughs> so here's the deal. Every time I interact with you, when I go through life, just looking in this mirror, what happens is, even though I might pay a little bit of attention to you, my focus keeps getting drawn back to this person in this mirror. I mean, you're like secondary to me. And if you really stop and think about it, that's how most people on planet Earth live. Holding a mirror in front of them. Now, here's the thing. You're welcome to live this way. We're just telling you that living this way, it will never lead to greatness because every time you're doing life, you're always gonna be drawn back to you. you. You'll never know your purpose 
And you'll never live the life that you're created holding a mirror in front of you. So what we're doing is this series really is we're, we're inviting you to kind of explore over these next few weeks an entirely different framework through which to view your current life. So basically we're saying, listen, w- will you take this mirror that you've been holding in front of you and will you lay it down and will you begin to look out the window? I mean, think about this. When you look out the window, they, other people, they are the focus It's no longer you being the central focus of your life. See, when you look out the window, I mean, you kind of catch the wonder of what's happening all around you. When when you look out the window, you can see so much more with so much more clarity. Now, here's the other thing. When you look out the window, and you can even try this at your home sometime. When you look out the window, you don't lose yourself looking out the window. Matter of fact, when you look out a window, you can see a little bit of the reflection of you in the window, but it's in the proper context of everything else that God is doing all around you. Which is why, once it's not about you, then you'll see clearly what you were created to do. You'll start seeing how God has gifted you to be great, You'll discover the purpose for which God created you. And fortunately for all of us, we have someone who showed us exactly how to do that, and his name is Jesus. In fact, here's how Jesus showed us how to do this, and he does it by the way that he ends this conversation with his friends. Notice what he said. For even the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Which is Jesus' basic way of saying to his disciples and to all of us, he's going, I know this isn't easy. I know this goes goes against what's natural to you. Because natural to us, just to make it all about us. But it's like Jesus is saying in this verse, he's going, listen, if there's anyone who had the right to make it about themselves, it would be me. I'm like, Jesus is going, I'm like God in human flesh, but I did not show up on this earth expecting people to serve me and flaunting my greatness. No, Jesus said, no, no, no. I came to serve. I came to give my life so that you could have a relationship with your heavenly father. I didn't make it about me. It's not about me being served, but I came to serve. And he's going, as my follower, you shouldn't make it about you either. Listen, when you follow Jesus' example and you don't make it about you, then he will show you what to do. You, you'll see the shared purpose that you have with every other follower of Jesus Christ, and you'll begin to discover your specific purpose that God uniquely made you to live out as you serve others. And so for the next few weeks, I mean, we're just going to guide you through how to discover this for yourself, but, but we're telling you at the beginning, it can't start with you. It's not about you. You will never discover your purpose with this view. Purpose is not found on the path to prominence or power. It's found through being a servant. So so to experience the purpose that God has for you, to experience greatness, would you this week, would you this week, 
This is your homework assignment for this week. This is the application for what we're talking about this week. Would you be willing to consider and explore what it would mean for you to live with a different perspective of your life than what you are living right now? Would you consider just putting that mirror down and would you consider looking out the window to explore your wonderland of purpose that God has for you? Because here's the reality, folks. Once it's not about you, then you will see clearly what your creator designed you to do. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible, amazing opportunity that we all get to go on together, this journey that we get to take to learn why we were created the way we were created, to live out a plan and a purpose that so we're going to see over the next few, few weeks that you designed an eternity past for our lives. And God, that's amazing. That is amazing. So I pray that you help us begin to do the hard work this week of just laying down the mirror and begin to look out the window. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and that you're going to help that to happen. As we focus on you instead of focusing on ourselves. In Jesus' name we give you thanks.